0: Deborah
1: Kazowski. hello everyone and welcome to a millionaire woman show I'm your host Debra Kazowski, and we are talking about principles of leadership business and human potential and today I have a special guest who is an expert on the subject that I totally love and it's all about mindset and emotional intelligence Dr. Marsha Reynolds, master certified coach, is fascinated by the brain, especially what triggers feelings of connection, commitment and possibility. She draws on her research as she helps coaches and leaders use their presence to make every conversation is difference making experience. She has provided executive coaching and leadership training programs in 41 countries. Dr. Reynolds is the training director for the Healthcare Coaching Institute at Virginia Tech. She was the fifth global president of the International Coach Federation, ICF, and she also faculty for the International Coach Academy in Russia and Create China Coaching in China, and she is recognized by global gurus as the number three coach in the world and number one woman. (laughs) Prior to coaching, she has ran ran training departments for two global companies. Her greatest success came after designing employee programs to improve communications for a semiconductor company facing bankruptcy. In three years, the company was the most successful IPO in the United States. Interviews and experts excerpts from Marsha's books, Outsmart Your Brain, How to Master Your Mind When Emotions Take the Wheel, Wonder Woman, How High Achieving Women Find Contentment and Direction, and The Discomfort Zone, How Leaders Turn Difficult Conversations into Breakthrough, have appeared in many places including Fast Company, Psychology Today, and The Wall Street Journal. Marsha's doctoral degree is in organizational psychology, and she has two master's degrees in education and communication. Her website is www.outsmartyourbrain.com. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Marsha Reynolds. Thank you, Deborah. It's so glad to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. And I was going through your website, listening to, to your intros, mm-hmm. and just super excited to talk to you about this subject, because it's a subject that's dear to my heart as well. And one of the things that came to my mind is how people can, you know, you were t- talk about changing, changing your mind, everything's about changing your thoughts, changing your behavior, and, you know, tricking the brain, how do you get yourself to do things that you maybe not thinking that you can do or getting mm-hmm. stuck in indecisiveness? Yeah. So I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit more
0: about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've been taught and, and many people before us, that everything's going on in our, our logical brain and that we just have to change our thoughts and it's gonna make everything okay. And uh, and even the concept of emotions that we can somehow control that. Um, when actually emotions control us, don't they? They sure that, do. Yeah. And, and so with that in mind, um, the, to trick the brain, we have to actually shift our emotional state um, because all those things you mentioned are really as a result of, um, you know, I can't make a decision because I'm afraid, you know, or I, I don't want to move forward uh, because of the risks. And yet we'll come up with logical reasons why we can't do those things. I always say we're master at masters at rationalization. It's not a good time. It will hurt people. You know, we come up with all those things and we believe them. But if you consciously say, I recognize that I'm, uh, I'm frustrated, I'm afraid, and take a breath and shift into hopefulness, gratitude for what I have right now, just to change the chemistry. Mm you know, then we can start looking at, you know, beyond that limitations that we create for ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So how does our brain limit the potential? Yeah. We, we often think that our brain is about solving problems and, and doing things well, when actually the brain's primary function is to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. You know, right, it goes through that primitive fight-flight part of the brain first, and then we run into social needs, and so we worry about being liked, being respected, uh, being seen as credible. All this stuff, it happens before it ever hits our, our logical brain. Um, and, and so the, the brain says, I, I want you to feel safe, I want you to feel comfortable, so I'm not going to allow you to take a risk. I'm not going to allow you to say something that might be mistaken. And so we hold our thoughts in um, or we put ourselves out in a way we think uh, will be accepted, even though it may be against our own values. hmm. So recognizing and saying, you know, brain, thank you for taking care of me, but I don't need you right now. <laughs> you know, right now, there's some things that I want to achieve and I want to do that may feel uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyway. We have to tell ourselves that and, and just release, you know, those, uh, those, those fears and um, things that paralyze our actions.
1: Well, when I was doing some research when I was talking about outsmarting the brain, it, it said that it could be as simple as putting on a sock. Mm-hmm. You shift your thinking just to make it feel as simple. Yeah. As
0: putting on a sock, and I'm like, oh, I,
1: I wish it was that easy.
0: Right. Well, again, the reason why it's not is because your brain's constantly um, uh, giving you messages that don't serve you. And so, again, it, what the, the easy part is, is just to sh- shut down your brain, but we're not good at it. You know, so, it's, so it just takes some practice. Um, but you know, the time that was really significant for me was I was actually uh, in, in Switzerland at a conference up in the Alps, and I decided that uh, I was going to parasail off this Alp. And we went up many, many, many flights uh, on the mountain to where it was like full of snow and, and it was springtime. Um, and then we got there and, you know, I, I wouldn't be jumping off by myself. I had the, the guide attached to me behind me. But, the, but he laid out the parachute and then he said, run to the cliff. And I, I exactly. <laughs> I'm like, really? I mean, this was so high up and it's like, I'm going to run toward the cliff. He says, well, you've got to run as fast as you can, otherwise the, par- you know, the parachute won't lift you know, and, and, uh, and won't carry you. So if you want to like save yourself, you got to run to the cliff. I-, I have to tell you, Deborah, that I'll never forget how I had to override my brain and say, I'm not going to die, brain. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be okay. And, no- and I was terrified. So this isn't about making the feelings go away, it's about being with them mm-hmm. and saying, I recognize I'm terrified and I'm gonna do it anyway because this is, this is it, you know, it's gonna be awesome. Got right to the cliff, boom, and jumped and the parachute caught us and it was beautiful down, but I'll never forget that. It's like, if I can override my brain in that situation, <laughs> i can yeah. do it anywhere so did he run with you at the same time yeah yeah he was behind me of course i couldn't see him right i, I could hear him though <laughs> oh
1: my gosh
0: so all i could see was cliff you know yeah. so but that's the point our brain only sees cliff it doesn't see the beautiful surroundings and and, and mm-hmm. the possibility you right know? so again it's like yeah, You know, emotional intelligence, as you know, it's not about making the emotions go away. They're going to be there. The brain's going to react. Mm-hmm. But to say, thank you, brain. I, I see that you're trying to protect me. And um, I, I, I feel my fear. And this is what I choose. I feel my anger. And this is what I choose. So it's being with emotions, not making them wrong, because it's just information. It's just a human experience. And still making the conscious choice based on the outcome we want to create. Yeah. and You know, that's fascinating.
1: Maybe it's just, uh, I believe in serendipity. But um, today when I was going reviewing Instagram, there was a post that said, why don't we run to our dreams? <laughs> and it makes me think of this cliff now, is that we're not yeah. running toward them because the fear comes up. Yeah.
0: we avoid taking the step because of all the what ifs that come up. Right. And then we say, well, I'll do it, but just not today. Yeah. <laughs> Which,
1: yeah. or maybe yeah, someone, else is is. Right.
0: Or someone else's opinion is
1: more valid than my own. Yeah. So then we start doing that, rationalizing. Ah, this
0: should. Right. Ah. You know, I should do this. Yeah. And you know, it, the interesting thing about fear is it's very foggy. You know, we don't really know what we're afraid of. We're just, we're just afraid. And it's so fascinating to me in coaching when I just even ask the simple question, coming back to your simple, Mm -hmm. um, what's the worst that can happen? It's like people don't even recognize that um, uh, not, I mean, uh, something bad could happen, but I always follow it up. How likely will that happen? Mm. Usually not you know, the day I left my last corporate position to start my business, all these people came to me and say, how did you have the courage to do that? And I'm like, what courage? You know, it's something I want to try. And if it doesn't work, I'll go get a job. Yeah. You know, I saw it like that, but they saw it as, as, you know, the end of my career and I'll destroy my family. And, you know, we just catastrophize everything. When we don't break down the fear into what it truly is but this is difficult to do on our own so you know that's why I love coaching coaching does that or even a friend that won't won't tell you what to do or say oh don't be afraid mm-hmm. just say so what is it you're really afraid of yeah it you know, can happen and how likely will that happen
1: exactly so let me ask you did you have a big plan in
0: place before you took your leap uh, you know I'm not a big planner <laughs> I have an intention and kind of a vision, and then I kind of take the leap. It's not like you had a whole bunch of contracts lined
1: up that you already... Oh, my
0: God. No, no, no. You know, but I was like, i got a lot of experience. I've got degrees. Um, uh, You know, people will like me. (laughs) And you'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, you know, I did have one in particular, um, a former boss, actually, that hired me, and and then moved on to another company. He um, gave me enough work that I felt uh, comfortable. But also, you know, this is interesting too, and I'm sure uh, many uh, uh, people, not just women, experience this. But women in particular think they have to be really good or even perfect at something before they try it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And um, uh, I, I fortunately... Uh, learned early on, I took jobs in, in industries that I had no idea what they were talking about. And I just said, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I don't know, did my dad give me that? I mean, who gave me that? That is like, well, I'll figure it out. You know, I went from healthcare to high tech, never touched a computer. I'm like, I'll figure it out, you know? <laughs> so when I I left, I I knew that I wasn't Uh, anywhere near perfect, not even a great coach. I was just learning, but I still had the guts to call reporters and say, Hey, there's this new um, profession. I was lucky to be on the uh, starting part of it. And um, would you like to talk about it? You know? And so I just put myself out there, talked to people about it, told people what I was doing. And I just started getting clients. So um, that whole, I don't, I I don't have to be perfect in order to still make a difference yeah
1: yeah and that leads me to the question for like for women I think we get caught up and men too um, Mm. just that I hear it more from women as well is that Mm. we get caught up in a narrative we have a story that we that Mm. we need to start changing and I think absolutely alluding to is that perfection piece
0: yeah yeah you know or you know there's two two pieces to that, that I actually found in my research when, you know, my doctoral research was on high achieving women in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's not always perfection. There are those that want it to be perfect and then they just take forever to get there. But, but the rest of us that, um, that don't do details well or plans, (laughs) we still aim for excellence, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I call this the burden of greatness that I must be great at whatever I do, otherwise I shouldn't even try. Um, and so fortunately I thought I could be great, but but you know, that's sometimes an illusion. What is that that would define great? And and why is it that I have to work myself so hard to be better than anybody else, <laughs> you know? Um, and then we like, oh, I'm out of balance, <laughs> you know? Yes. And we do, we work ourselves into being sick, um, because we have, to, we, we have this story, oh, women have to work harder, and uh, you know, they have to accomplish more, it's like, really, is that really true? Is that really true? At some places it may be, but not everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do break down the stories, what's the story I'm telling, and is it true? Or what part of it is true? Yeah, or are we
1: using it to be true to prevent us from making that next step? Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. absolutely. You know, that's, um, you know, the frame we live in, which is often very limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you, but, Deborah, that's a great question about what is the story I'm telling, because um, uh, there's a researcher up at um, uh, the Cleveland Institute. Who says you know we always say we have to think outside of the box but we can't think outside of the box till we see the box so you have to see the box before yes see outside it so what is that story what's the frame that's holding you in mm-hmm. um, because once you see that you can start to see the gaps in logic your fears you know the context yes um, and then you can see beyond it
1: yeah, I, I find it fascinating because when we talk about or hear of different groups promoting diversity, um, different genders, you know, all the different um, controversial subjects. Yeah. It's, I find it fascinating because I, I was watching a feed again on Facebook and people were commenting and what I saw was a lot of judgment. Mm. Someone had made a comment and they started, you know, going at them. Mm-hmm. Versus thinking, well, they obviously don't understand what's right. going on. So they posted with a little bit of a question, but also a statement. And instead of attacking them, it would be so much better if we could come from a place of being curious and saying, right. what do you need to know? Yeah. How can I inform you? Yeah. Right. And it was, I just sat back and I thought, because it, it got into a kind of a smashing a little bit. And the,
0: oh they love that on facebook oh,
1: and the <laughs> person who have permission <laughs> yeah and the person whose post it was she had just gone and said there's a difference between this and this yeah and she mm. said i will take your congratulations and just left it
0: wow just
1: with the high road
0: um, yeah yeah no you
1: have to do that yeah it was so much better but i thought the person who was
0: getting excited about it i thought if you could oh and they get mean yes you know so i blog for psychology today i have for years yeah and um uh, i get a lot of really good comments and interesting perspectives and i always acknowledge their perspective but then there's always um somebody who just comes out from left field like you're so stupid it's like disagree with me but but call me stupid you know yeah For what reason? But that's the interesting
1: thing, Marsha. I find that we want to all have different opinions. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you want everybody to be the same and conform. And there's that struggle. Like, allow people to be who they are. And if they don't understand or they don't agree, it's okay. But I see so much in the world that they want everybody to conform. And yet, they want to promote freedom of speech. And you can't do it.
0: Oh, I know it's it's such a hypocrisy. Yeah, and I just find it very. It can get really confusing for people. Right. Um, you know, I, I have to say to you, Deborah, I was at a conference in uh, Victoria a couple of weeks ago, and um, there was a bunch of people talking, and uh, and I had to say, "Wow, I'm so happy to hear that you you all are just as messed up as we are in the U.S." <laughs> Because <laughs> we always have this vision like, oh, it's so wonderful in Canada. You know, it's like yeah. they don't have our problems, but it's like, oh no, we have these everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're more more alike than different. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's so amazing. Um uh you know, and yet there are stories. Um one that I've written about is there's this guy and it was in the Washington Post and a couple of years ago, um uh Derek Black whose father was a leader in the white supremacist movement and, and had a radio show on it, and Derek was supposed to be his heir and take over. And um, he went to this college that his parents didn't approve of because uh, there was a lot of liberals there. And, um, but he said, no, 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 it's a good school. Well, he was invited by uh, uh, the Jewish community to come to dinner on Friday night and just talk. And they ended up having this conversation well into the night mm-hmm. about their different views and what they thought and what they were afraid of. And he, early in the next morning, he wrote a letter to his father and said, I'm sorry, but I can no longer hate these people. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I know them, and that's a big part of it, we have to get to know each other. Now yeah. that I know them and, and why they see things the way they do, whether I agree or not. Mm-hmm. I understand them. And you know, and then the interesting thing when he it was Thanksgiving, he tried to go home and his father wouldn't let him in. Mm-hmm. You know, his mother did, but his father wouldn't, and it took quite a while before his father would even have a conversation with him. So there's the what you had said earlier about the shoulds, yep. you know, and, and what other people are telling us, but Derek Black was brave enough to to say this is what i've learned and and, and broke his frame mm-hmm. and no longer go back you know and i just love that story that it's exactly what you're saying if we could just stop and listen it doesn't mean i have to agree with you you know so you said at the beginning you shared i i've been going and teaching in russia for uh 17 years wow and in china for eight i'm always fascinated to hear their perspective And there's sometimes I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. And there's other times where it's like, Mm -hmm. I can't agree with you, but I can see your point of view. And they've so taught me um, how to do that. If I'm going to work there, you know, Mm -hmm. how I I have to be that way in order to be a good teacher. Um, And so I love being tested. (laughs) Yeah. And that's so much where that
1: part of emotional intelligence is that empathy. Yes. How can we put ourselves in another person's shoes? because if we had some of the experiences that they have, yeah. then you could understand a lot better of why they do what they do. Yeah.
0: or something similar. you know, so that conference I was at was actually looking at diversity and um, uh, power and privilege uh, and and concepts in coaching. And um, you know, they were saying that it, for people that are a different race than us, a different upbringing, We can't really stand in their shoes, Mm -hmm. but we can listen to like, wow, thank you for sharing that because I can see your picture. I can see your perspective
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
0: and I can understand. So understanding isn't necessarily uh, having the same experience
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: because I will never have that experience, Mm -hmm. but I can come to learn from you and understand you. And, and, And if I can strive for that, How beautiful that is. So yeah, it was a great conference actually. Yeah, Yeah, It
1: sounds very powerful. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I wanted to ask you is when someone, because the brain's keeping ourselves safe, when someone gets into an amygdala hijack, (laughs) is it that they have breaks out of that loop or can, can people be in an amygdala hijack for a long period of time
0: and not even realize it? You know, that's interesting. I did a podcast just recently, a couple of weeks ago, that said, Is there long term uh, mental health effects mm-hmm. on continual uh, uh, amygdala hijacks? And there's a book, a uh, uh, Stanford uh, n- n- guy who runs the neuroscience department wrote a book, um, gosh, 20 years ago, called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Oh. Named by Robert Sapolsky. He said, you know, zebras are mammals, just like us, and they have the same stress response system, Right. but zebras are chased by lions like once, maybe twice a day, and they spend the rest of the day eating grass. He said, we're chased by lions all day long, and our system wasn't designed for that. And so he actually goes into all the breakdowns that we experience in our systems, our cardiac system, our immune system. Um, our sexual system, um, our muscular system, our digestive, why it's hard to lose weight even relates to this constant hijacking that's going on. So I said, you know, we have to start recognizing, you know, what is it that's triggering me so I can at least, you know, go for a walk <laughs> you know, and, and, and shift. <clears throat> your sympathetic nervous system out of, uh, of shock is what we do. And it's getting worse and worse, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, that constant reading of the news uh, and, um, you know, and, and, and Facebook. Yeah. Like we have all these influences,
1: the news, we have um, Facebook, social media, but also those stories that people keep replaying.
0: So we trigger ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would be
1: two strategies that someone can do to get out of that loop?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we started this by, when I said the first thing you have to do is be able to recognize I'm having an emotion. Mm -hmm. This isn't a mental process. This is a physical process. So, you know, you're, Fear, your anger, your frustration shows up in your body. So, you know, do your shoulders tighten, your neck, your, your posture uh, may shift, or I get tight in my stomach. Um, you don't have to know exactly what the emotion is, but just to say I'm having a reaction. And the first thing to do is breathe, you know, right? Because we, we, when we're afraid or we're angry, we hold our breath. Mm-hmm. And the quickest way to activate this parasympathetic nervous system that releases stress is to breathe and then do a quick body scan to release tension. You can't control your mind and, and say, oh, I want to feel patient. I want to feel calm until your body feels that way. You mm-hmm. know. So we have to breathe and, and release the tension before we can go up, clear the mind and choose how I want to feel in this moment. hmm so those are the two things you release the tension in your body and then make a conscious choice, choose one or two. You know, I love, you said curious before,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, so can I shift to feeling curious and care or courageous and calm and just hold those. And as you start to get triggered again, come back to curious and, 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 and calm or, uh, courageous and, uh, Determined whatever it is that you need in that moment. Those would be the two things I would suggest and that comes out Out Smart your brain It's it's the the process of shifting in the moment. Yeah, know? I think we all all need that to catch yeah. ourselves I,
1: I have an experience that when my daughter was 16 years old that uh, I had sent her to go buy a bathing suit because we were all going on this surprise trip to visit my sister and she had gone to this store and came home And just threw threw the bag on the floor and carried on with what she was doing. And it wasn't until the next day that I grabbed the receipt and I was like, she spent $200 on a bathing suit. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) And right away, I'm like, okay, so how do I take responsibility for part of this? Was the first thing because I didn't go with her. Mm-hmm. And I, I had told her to go by herself and she went to a particular store, but I was like, no 16-year-old. Didn't
0: set the boundary.
1: No, <laughs> no. And um and then we went on this trip, didn't end up using the swimsuit, came back. Oh no. Went, went swimming as a family, and the bathing suit she was f- practically falling out of. Oh. And it was not youthful. And then she's like mom I need I can't wear this I need a different bathing suit and I'm like how did you end up with this suit to begin with so we got into the conversation Uh, I said okay we're gonna go look for another suit because we were going on vacation in a few weeks I went with her she wanted to go to the same store (laughs) and she was trying on all these bathing suits and it was getting close to closing time and I could just feel myself heating up <laughs>
0: <I> <laughs> yeah.
1: feel the heat I didn't feel like I was unpleasant or anything but I finally looked at the sales girl who came by and just was checking on me to see if I was okay while she was trying on stuff and I said um I don't know if you feel <laughs> what I feel but I feel triggered and mm-hmm. I just went into that language and I explained what had happened and she's like you had should not have ever had that experience here uh. and the whole situation shifted because she took interest. She was curious yes. and she wanted that's to right. know genuinely what she could do to help me. That's great. And we walked out, didn't get a suit there, went to Walmart, picked up a suit for $20 and went on. <laughs> and the girl had phoned me back and had said, can we offer you a discount? And I'm like, we already spent $200. <laughs> a discount. They wouldn't take it back. Yeah. No. And then uh, I said, um, that's okay. And she called me back like five minutes later, and the district manager approved her so that we could re- return the top. We couldn't return the bottom, but we uh-huh. could return the top portion, and um, they would give us a credit to buy something else in the store. And I said, well, as long as it's youthful, yeah. that it can make her feel good, yeah, and and her in. And it so happened again. I couldn't go with my daughter. <laughs> So I connected with the salesperson, and I said, I'm sending her by herself, and I truly apologize. And she got to know that my daughter played sports. She took- it no. <laughs> My daughter came home from that experience. Instead of tossing the bag, she's like ran to change to show me what it looked like she was <laughs> strutting around. But I ended up sending a message to the owner of the whole store <laughs> to say that, you know, you're not selling just a swimsuit. Yes. Although I was triggered, I, it turned out to be a beautiful experience because I didn't bottle that emotion up. Yeah. I was able to be with that emotion and share because I, I yeah. thought I'm
0: sure they must feel this from
1: me. I must be radiating.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, but that's the point, Deborah. That that we do even when you said, "Well, it, I didn't show it," it doesn't matter. You know, we can now measure the electromagnetic energy of our emotions. So you're putting it out even if you think you have a poker face so they could feel it as well as you felt her calmness, you felt her interest, her curiosity. Mm. That was beautiful that she did that So you both. You had an interaction at an emotional level, not just by words.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what the beautiful thing out of it was unexpected that the owner of the company actually just forwarded my email. To her entire staff. Oh wow! (laughs) To express, to show them that Mm. it's not just the suit; it's about the experience. It's about confidence and self-esteem. Because how many people love going to try on swimsuits? Yeah. (laughs) Not not too many people that I know is their favorite thing. (laughs) Yeah. So Mm. one of the things I was also curious about when I was looking at the high achieving women finding contentment. Yeah. Because um, when it comes to high-achieving women, you know they're often juggling and carrying many hats. Mm-hmm. Do you find that as they grow successful, mm-hmm. that
0: others around them feel threatened? Ah, um, well, there's two things there. The whole thing around contentment is um, really relates to our restlessness. It's like that. Uh, okay, been there, done that. What's next? We're always looking at the next. We're always looking mm-hmm. at the next. I, I have a quote that says, we don't climb the mountain to be at the top. We climb the mountain to see what other mountains there are to climb. You yep. know, so, so we often do that. Um, what happens is because we have this push then to keep doing more and keep doing that, um, uh, that achievement is an ongoing uh, thing that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that other people don't quite understand, you know, the reason why I did my research was I felt like none of the women's leadership books related to me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, cause I was looking at smart, strong women in the workplace and, um, we don't need books that tell us to speak up. We speak up sometimes too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't need books that say, um, Oh, you have to learn how to say no because we're afraid, we don't say no because we think we're the only ones that can do it right. You know, so there are, you know, it drives me crazy how many uh, books are written as if women were all the same. Mm-hmm. So yes, there are those women that have that 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 constant restless need to keep doing more and making a difference. And there's those that don't. Um, and, hmm. Um, Instead of just saying, I'm different, and that's fascinating what you do, they're like, wow, is this that forcing me to do that? And I don't want to do that. And yes, and, and then there's animosity. And then we make up stories mm-hmm. of those women. Um, and we're not supporting each other uh, in the differences. And it's the same thing on the other side. Many times the high-achieving women are like, well, why don't you speak up? Why don't you do more? Why don't you lean in? You know, when we just have to acknowledge that we're all on different journeys and how we can we support each other's choices, whatever that is.
1: Thank you for that. Because it's very powerful. Because I, I know in talking to the women that I do, sometimes they'll be like, because I'm very much driven, high achieving. And, you know, in a survey or someone will say, Deb, I don't know if I can have my bar as high as yours. Yeah. i never at any time did I say, you got to have the same level of the bar right we're two different people we have different standards we set for
0: bars yeah
1: er, different goals we don't have the exact same path we don't have the exact same journey and i think we have to give ourselves some grace to recognize that we are different
0: and it will change too right with age i mean i can tell you in each decade you know uh, my desires uh what i wanted to achieve changed um and uh and acknowledging that, you know, the the book I wrote uh, for that, I was You know, we change things up a lot, and uh, people always ask, like, well, "Why are you doing that now?" Well, because that's what I want right now. <laughs> yeah. So we have to allow each other's to change too, and not think we understand. We know each other too well. Well, you didn't like that last year. Well, this year I'm different. So we have to stay that word you use that curious. We have to stay curious about each other and what's changing for you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and that those dreams and goals and
0: ambitions may may change. Absolutely, they change. You know, I was very um, uh, corporate ambitious in my thirties. You know, and then I turned forty and it's like, okay, I want to go do something else. And that's when I left and started my business. And uh, you know, I've had it now twenty years and more than that. And, and I, I focus on different things. I'm narrowing down, uh, you know, what I want to do and uh, which they always say you should pick a lane anyway. But <laughs> but even in the books that I write, you know, I'm like, uh, I've been all over the place. I'm narrowing into what is it that I want to achieve in the next 10 years, you yeah. know? So, yeah. So I'm curious when people feel like they have a calling,
1: a purpose, Mm -hmm. and you know their brain says drive toward this.
0: Yeah.
1: Yet, having that environment around them that says why can't you just be happy like that high eating women, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like do you settle? Mm -hmm. But I don't think those women can. Because of that restlessness, they must continue. Otherwise, part of them actually dies. Right. But I wanted to get your take on it.
0: Yeah. You know, it often comes up in my coaching. Um, I hear it in the word should. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I should do this. People say, you know, I should be happy for the job I have. Um, uh, uh, Take care of your family. How can you do that to them? You know, all those crazy things that, again, really comes out of their fear not a truth. Um, but coming back to, okay, so I hear everyone else's story. What is it you really want? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and what do you, what is really the truth in what they're saying? Because it's like fear is, is foggy until we look at it. So is all those shoulds. Um, uh, cause I, I was coaching a woman who, Her husband was an artist. So she had taken many positions moving up in leadership in this, uh, 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 a global organization. And they'd even moved to Denmark. Um, And uh, she was conscious that her two daughters, that um, she was, you know, moving them a lot and um, uh, maybe not spending as much time as she would like. And, And she said the company offered for her to get an MBA. And she's like, I can't do that to my daughters. I can't do that on top of work and all of that. I'm like, "Uh, do what? (laughs) And um, how do you know that's true? And just that question, she's like, well, I don't know. I'm just assuming that. So she actually went and asked her daughters, and they're like, cool, mom. That'd be great. We'd like to do your homework with you. And a couple of years later, she sent me the picture of her graduation with her daughters on either side. So proud of their mother. Yeah. So sometimes we make these, sometimes we hear the shoulds and sometimes we assume the shoulds. Mm. And either way, uh, what are you stopping yourself from doing? What's the true harm? What's the real consequence? And what could be the gain out of that? You know, we need more women to step into their greatest possibilities because the younger women need to see that. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Versus going into a place of settling and retreating.
0: Right. And you know, people aren't, when I left my job, I left a lot of unvested stock on the table and and I was called even stupid. You know, People were like, how could you do that? You left a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. and it's like, but I didn't want to be there anymore. (laughs) And and I really had to like, I don't care what you're saying. This is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And we often have to do that, particularly as women. Um, You know, whatever story you're telling, yourself that's your story not mine
1: right so yeah, that's a good reminder mm-hmm. it's their story right so yeah. how do we embrace discomfort of learning and growth especially you know when we have these struggles and challenges that come up how do we
0: embrace it versus retreat from it well first off um learning happens in a, in always in a moment of discomfort um because uh, we can gain knowledge and understanding but we don't learn till we go out and do things and when we try new things it's always awkward it doesn't feel great uh, when we recognize we're going to step out and do something even though people are telling us we shouldn't um, uh, and we're not sure we're going to succeed it's uncomfortable
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, but recognizing that with discomfort comes growth mm-hmm. with comfort comes possibilities You know, with discomfort, we get to realize our potential. Without discomfort, we stay small. You know, so just saying, wow, it's like before with fear. I'm afraid. Wow, what's that about? We say, oh, I'm uncomfortable. What's that about? You know, um, what is it that uh, is making me uncomfortable in this moment?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, even having a difficult conversation, it's like, well, it's not going to feel good, but I'm going to do it anyway. If we avoid discomfort, then we don't accomplish anything.
1: I think I'd be more afraid of being small. Yes. Not taking the chance.
0: And we should be, but we don't think about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: almost time for us to go, but I did want you to touch on your most recent TED talk.
0: Mm -hmm. How
1: anger is a good thing. Could you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah,
0: sure. You know, I say anger um, uh, can be a force for good. And we're often, both men and women, taught that anger's bad. Um, but it's it's not the anger, it's that if we don't look at what's making the anger angry in the moment, the anger often then shifts to something else, resentment, resignation, uh, cynicism, uh, and then it gets ugly. But if we stop and say, what's making me angry? What is it that I'm not getting that I think I should get or I am afraid I won't get? And, and can I then ask for it or stand up for it um, instead of releasing it? So I always say the reason that I've accomplished uh, what I have in my life is that many times when people said I couldn't, I said, oh, yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> That's your fuel. Right. I'll show you. And then we go do it. So, so, or in, in conversations, you know, so many times we might let people like, uh, and, and often it's men, according to the research will interrupt us. It's unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. But to stop and say, you know what? I would love for you to let me finish my idea and then I'll listen to yours. Okay. To call attention to the interruption, to call the attention to. I like that. Right, I read an article this morning about we use the word girl too much. So, um, you know, to say, oh, the girls will handle that. No, don't do that. The women will handle that. To call attention, even though people might get embarrassed and defensive, but we need to call attention um, and, and state what we want instead. And oftentimes the courage is fueled by anger. Mm. So we need to use our anger uh not to punish people, but to create and ask for what we need. Mm-hmm. Lovely. So, Marsha, how can people stay in touch with you? Uh, thank you. Um, well, you said it before, my website is outsmartyourbrain.com. So, I'm Marcia at outsmartyourbrain.com. Um, but there's a lot of resources, you know, free resources on the website, um, tools under discomfort zone. Tools they can use and visualizations, so go on there, sign up for my blog, um, you know, and and reach out uh, if there's a question that you have.
1: How wonderful! I'm I'm grateful for the time that I've got to spend with you today. And I know we've talked a few months ago. Um, I really encourage people to get outsmart your brain, learn how you can work with your brain and your emotions versus fighting up against them. Yes, because <laughs> Dr. Marsha Reynolds has a lot of exercises in that book to help support you. Great. Thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. And um, thank you for joining us on this podcast. You can go over to my website at www.deborakazowski.com and grab your 21 Habits High Achievers Kick to Achieve Success free ebook. When you put in your email address, you can also go over to iTunes, give us a five-star high-five, write us a review of this podcast and how it has impacted you. The more reviews we get, the more people we get to tell about this podcast, the more we can change the world together. And living rich from the inside out, using those principles of leadership, business, and human potential. As Mohammed Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And from Marsha and myself, have a wonderful day.